Who's that? Oh, Reverend Davis. Davis. Oh, yeah. 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 No doubt about that. Um, we are recording, and it is June 15th, 2023, on the prayer list. Bob's family, and for peace and understanding, and our children and our grandchildren. Osman and his church that's in Gambia, West Africa. He was with us a while. Uh, wisdom for all of us in these times. Marcos for his son, for his salvation. Chuck Knipp and Randolph, his dad, a comedian we like. Marta and Charles and Sebron. Vasi and Linda and John and Ruby. They're friends of the Bible study podcast and... Um, they pray. You want to surround yourself with as many people who pray and really pray as you can. Prayer for family members of Bob's dealing with Stephanie passing and also our country and uh, the folks in Europe. I'd like to see the truth come out about what's going on over there, but I don't know if it will. Michael, uh, Aaron, yes, and Dorothy Wingo, Brittany and James. And the little ones. Ray, to stop World War Three, I believe he wrote. Yeah. That's going to be Armageddon, World War Three, I would say. Salvation for WDC? Washington, D.C. Oh, Washington, D.C. Okay. And Lord, we pray now for the people who need the emergency responders that we hear the sirens blaring. They be in your hands. Healing for Jack. Yeah, Jack. How is he? He does all right in the morning, but in the afternoon, his chest starts hurting. It hurts so bad. He can't hardly breathe, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's got an angina. He's a man. All right, Bob. This is a Bible study podcast. No coarse joking. Goodness. Wisdom, protection, so for, for salvation for lost loved ones. For President Trump, Eric, Rex, Ted, unsafe family members. Blessings for those in the fight against addiction and in the fight against loneliness and for truths to come out in government and reach one another. Mm-hmm. Pray. And Heavenly Father, we do come to you in prayer, thanking you for our, our lives, for our salvation, for the things that we take for granted sometimes, God. We just ask you to have mercy on us. And we see so many, Lord, renewing their commitments to you, and uh, so many are bearing witness to unbelievers and seeing those unbelievers change their minds about the truth and come to you. Perhaps this is the final harvest, Lord. Things are definitely seeming different in this age that we're living in. And we need you every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day to be with us, to sustain us, to open our eyes, giving us eyes to see, and open our ears, giving us ears to hear spiritual truth in your still small voice that imparts wisdom to us if we would only receive it. We do ask for wisdom for us all. We thank you, God, 
In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let me take a picture of this prayer card here. that on the Facebooks. <clears throat> Go to Jeremiah chapter 20, I'm sorry, 35, Jeremiah 35. Oh, I think this, the bottom one's probably, it's a Schofield, you like that one, right? That's a nice Schofield. Yeah. Jeremiah. 35. I'm going to read out of the NIV to start with. I may switch to King James. There, there's a, a lesson here I think that most churches could benefit from, most congregations. It says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord during the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. So basically, this is what the Lord is saying. Go to the Rechabite family and invite them to come to one of the side rooms of the house of the Lord and give them wine to drink. So God is saying, go to them, invite them to a side room and offer them wine. And he says, so I went to get Jazaniah, son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah and his brothers and all his sons, the whole family of the Rechabites, I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the room of the sons of Hanan, son of Igdalia, the man of God. It was next to the room of the officials, which was over that of Masiah, son of Shalom, the doorkeeper. Then I set bowls full of wine and some cups before the men of the Rechabite family and said to them, Drink some wine. But they replied, We do not drink wine because our forefather, Jonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. Neither you nor your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, sow seed, or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but must always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land where you are nomads. We have obeyed everything our forefather, Jonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us. Neither we nor our wives nor our sons and daughters have ever drunk wine or built houses to live in, or had vineyards, fields, or crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed everything our forefather, Jonadab, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, invaded this land, we said, come, we must go to Jerusalem to escape the Babylonian and the Aramean armies. Aramean armies. So we have remained in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. 
Go and tell the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Will you not learn a lesson and obey my words, declares the Lord? Jonadab, son of Rechab, ordered his sons not to drink wine, and this command has been kept. To this day, they obey their forefathers' command. But I have spoken to you again and again. Sorry. But I have spoken to you again and again, yet you have not obeyed me. Again and again I sent all my servants, the prophets, to you. They said each of you must turn from your wicked ways and reform your actions. Do not follow other gods to serve them. Then you will live in the land I have given to you and your fathers. But you have not paid attention or listened to me. The descendants of Jonadab, son of Rechab, have carried out the command their forefather gave them, but these people have not obeyed me. Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I am going to bring on Judah and on everyone living in Jerusalem every disaster I pronounced against them. I spoke to them, but they did not listen. I called to them, but they did not answer. Then Jeremiah said to the family of the Rechabites, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You have obeyed the command of your forefather, Jonadab, and have followed all his instructions and have done everything he ordered. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Jonadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a man to serve me. That's the entire chapter. Now, there's a lesson there, and, and this is what God wants Jeremiah to, to show the Israelites, and also he wants Jeremiah to tell these Rechabites, you know, you did well, you obeyed your forefather. Now, this is not the same thing as obeying God, but you obeyed your forefather, and you didn't do any of those things. You didn't drink wine, plant vineyards, build houses. You just lived in tents. And uh, because you did that, God saw that obedience as a good thing. And he said, therefore, uh, he says, the God of Israel says, Jonadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a man to serve me. Now, if we will look now at Romans chapter 14, and uh, let me just get the King James out this time. Romans 14. And Gordon, would you like a Bible to look at or just want to listen? I am uh, legally blind. I mean, I can see everybody here and everything. That print, I cannot do it. I got, okay, well, I'm just reading it. and that's, that's actually the way the Word was disseminated early in the church. You know, there weren't any books. There weren't anything. It was all by word of mouth. Uh, but they had they had recorded um, epistles. Yes, they had them, but they didn't have multiple copies. <laughs> Romans fourteen: Him that is weak in the faith, receive you, but not to doubtful disputations. If somebody's not strong in the faith, don't differ with them over stuff that doesn't matter. 
He says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, to another who is weak he eats herbs, he only eats vegetables. When the Seventh-day Adventists, who are vegetarians, come around, they point that verse out to them, boy, I don't like that. It says, according to Romans 14, verse 2, you're weak in the faith if you're a vegetarian. <laughs> but uh, that's just teasing. I mean, Daniel <coughs> Daniel um, did not uh, eat the king's meat. He ate vegetables, right? And it worked for him. So, you know, if somebody's a vegetarian, that's just fine. Um Verse 3, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. God's received both the person who won't eat the meat and the person who does. Verse 4, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he does not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God's thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose, and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. (coughs) But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Remember the recubites, they thought wine was unclean. They thought building a house was wrong. This is what they were taught. Verse 15, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. What does that mean? If a fellow thinks that it is sin to eat meat, and you come to the table, you you know, or you invite him to your home, don't do that in front of him. If he thinks it's a sin to have wine, don't drink wine in front of him. That's an occasion for him to stumble. But then he says in verse verse 16, Let not then your good be evil spoken of. If you believe meat is good, and we, I think we all had some tonight, some chicken, right? We believe it's good. But we're not going to have people speak evil of what we esteem to be good, the meat or the drink. 
and and that would that would kind of bring that up, wouldn't it? You know, now if you're in a restaurant and you're eating a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. By the way, I found out today, Campbell's makes cream of bacon soup. I ordered a case. Yeah, sounds good. We're going to be trying that out. I ordered a case of twelve. wasn't that much. Um, but you know, if a, what if you you can have a messianic Jew, and that means a a Jewish person who's been raised up in the law of Moses and they become a Christian, but they still have a few things that they have clung to. And some of that is the Mosaic dietary laws. And they think they shouldn't eat bacon or anything from a pig. Or, you know, any... <clears throat> yeah, shrimp or and lobster. It, and it is Does Satan cuss you with the same thing? I don't know. It's possible. Kosher means that it's uh, okay for them to eat. Okay for them to eat. But uh, if you violate your conscience and like that, it is a sin. All sets of... Yes, it's yeah, and he's he said it early in this chapter. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, you're in a restaurant, you don't know the fellow across from you is looking at you eating bacon and eggs, thinking that you're sinning. Um, that's not your fault. But verse seventeen: For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. For meat destroyeth not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. If he thinks he shouldn't eat it, he thinks it's wrong, then it's wrong. He's doing wrong because that's, that's what he believes in his heart. Verse 21, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. You want a ham sandwich? Don't do it in front of someone who thinks you can't eat pigs. Verse 23, Final verse in Romans 14, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. There are congregations out there, there are leaders of churches out there who have different ideas about what you can and can't do. I think that these recubites of Jeremiah abstaining from wine believing that that's what they should do and sticking to it well that that pleased the Lord even though God didn't tell them to, to drink see we know that God doesn't believe drinking wine is wrong because the Bible also tells us God does not tempt us to sin he doesn't test us he doesn't tempt us well that's if drinking wine was wrong he was tempting them by sending Jeremiah with the wine. But God knew they wouldn't take it. He knew they wouldn't accept it. And he wanted to, 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 to give an example to Israel. Like, look at these folks. It was just their forefather that said, don't do this, this, or that. And they stuck to it. His first miracle of Canaan, he made wine. Yeah. 
you know, and it, if you read on into John chapter 2, it was wine that had the ability to intoxicate. But uh, we can sin by eating too many Oreos. We can we find ways to sin, you know. We but now there are things that I mean. Some of us, you know, I, I have a daughter in AA, and she's been clean for a good while. And I don't know if you knew that, Jane. She's Amen. in Tulum, Mexico. Amen. And she got off of the whiskey and off of the cocaine. Uh. And, you know, with the Lord's help, you can conquer addiction. You know, with His help. And, you know, you can conquer it. So, in, for instance, in her case, you don't bring beer to the dinner table. You wouldn't do it. You can cause someone to stumble. He said eat and drink to yourself. If you get done mowing the grass and you want a beer, sit in your home and drink it. And it's okay if you want to go out to a restaurant and have a drink, as long as you know that you're not offending anybody or, or you don't have any reason to believe you would be. Sometimes you're going to have the encounter with someone who thinks, why well, you're sinning. That's sin. But rather than for a church to teach that drinking wine or any alcohol, rather than for them to teach that the Bible condemns it, which it does not. The Bible speaks of it favorably in places if you're not drunk, if you've not had too much wine. You know, you're not to be given to too much wine to be have a position in the church. Uh, once you're drunk, you have sinned. If you're not sure where, where that line or that blurry line is, stay way on the sober side of it. But don't judge someone who has a beer with uh, some pizza. Don't judge someone who does that thinking, well, you're going straight to hell. But what a minister of a, a traditional, uh, say, Southern Baptist or uh, Independent Baptist church could do, and there are Church of God and a Pentecostal churches also very much... Um, are against, yeah, they're teetotalers, they're against anything. You know, I've heard some Pentecostals won't take a spoon of cough syrup if the thing says it's got alcohol in it. And if they're doing that to honor God, guess what? He is pleased. He's pleased. So the, the leadership of the church could say, would you like to join our fellowship? We would like to have you uh, in our congregation as a member. You know, we, we, we go by the Bible. We go by what the Word of God says. We believe it. It doesn't have any errors in it. But there's something else with us. This hypothetical minister could say, we have decided not to drink alcohol as a congregation because we've looked about and seen the problems that it can cause and seen the death that, that have uh, resulted from it. And because of that, even though we know having a glass of wine, having a beer, that's not sin, even though we know that that's not sinful, we have decided for the sake of our congregation and what we offer to God is a group of folks who just make an oath to avoid it, to not, to not have any of it. And that's, you know, not that if you did it, you'd be sinning, 
But if you join that congregation and you tell the leadership that you're going to refrain from anything alcoholic to drink, you need to keep that oath. As long as at least you remember that fellowship. The Bible says that it's wrong to make an oath and not keep it. It says it's better not to make the oath in the first place. Better not to make an oath than to make one and not keep it. So I wanted to, to get that out there because, you know, every so often you hear a very well-meaning teacher, and we listen to a lot of different ones on YouTube, and, and they'll say things, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, alcohol is sinful and you shouldn't have any because God says not to. That isn't what he says. In fact, Paul said, take wine for your, your stomach. I guess dysentery was an issue. He told Timothy. He didn't say get soused, drunk off your feet, you know. He said have a little, I think he says, some wine. Because, you know, that can be a medicinal, have a medicinal effect. We have to be rational about these things, though. But again, if a particular congregation under a particular headship of that church chooses to avoid alcohol, then there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We have that example of the Recubites. God honored what they kept as an oath. He honored them for that. He was wanting to say to Israel, why can't you all do this? You know, I am asking you to do certain things. God says, I am asking you to do these things. It's not your forefather, not Abraham asking you. It's me, God your father asking you. If the Recubites can honor a commitment from one of their flesh and blood ancestors, why can't you honor the commitment that I want you to make to not worship idols, to not fornicate, to not do all of these unsavory things that you're doing? And they did. And God handed them over to Nebuchadnezzar. For 70 years. Yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar, we call him Brother Nebi in this class. He, uh, he wrote Daniel chapter 4. He was, a, he was an evil king. But he got turned around. He got turned around. You know why it was 70 years? It's a year for every... The year they did keep the feast. Yeah. yeah, and that was what? Yeah, 490 or something. Um, the um, commitments that we make to the Lord matter. But uh, you certainly don't want to make a commitment and not keep it. Look at Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Three. And it's just verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, 
24, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong, verse 25, shall receive for the wrong which he has done. And there is no respect of persons. If you want to make a commitment to God to do this or that or whatever, you know, there's preachers out there that tell you if you smoke cigarettes, you're, you know, Adrian Rogers, I loved him. He passed in 2005 and he taught this way. And I mean, he also taught any sip of alcohol was a sin. And if you're smoking, you're barbecuing your testimony, he said. Now that kind of, that was funny. He had quite the way with words, but that wasn't the truth. That was not the truth. Well, he, he, I think a lot of times they're saying that because they don't, that from the point of view not to offend somebody, and if people are looking at you as a Christian example and you're doing these things, it, it, it causes them to I, Yeah, I've heard that perspective, and you know you can cause somebody to stumble. Mm-hmm. But what if you were living your life and enjoying it and being careful not to sin? And you're not a stodgy, stuffed shirt, holier-than-thou, judgmental kind of person. Maybe you're pretty rough around the edges. And someone, but you know what? It's because sometimes, my son and I both, when our clients find out we're Christians, we, you know, some of them are a little surprised at times. I don't know what that says, but, you know, um, well, we do a, a long-range shooting podcast, and we have a bit of fun with it. And it has it's grown and grown. Um, we made it into the top 1.5% globally. And yes, we have a glass of whiskey or something like that during that show. But a person might be a bit more attracted to the cross if they realized that, you know, I really, I mean, I didn't figure I could ever make the grade. I didn't figure God would ever have me. I have to quit doing this and quit doing that, and then I might talk to him about it if I live long enough. As one minister put it, you feel like you've got to take a shower and clean up before you come to Christ. When the truth is, Jesus is the shower. You come as you are. If you With, betray it that way, then it keeps people from coming because they don't feel good enough. Right. And, and there's a, you know... There's folks out there that say, well, I mean, I, I wish I could quit smoking. I hadn't had any, had any luck. And I know from what I heard that preacher say, I know I'm not going to heaven if I can't quit smoking. That's not true. That isn't true. You just get there sooner. You might. <laughs> yeah. You might. <laughs> what was that uh, uh, World War II veteran? He, he smoked cigars and drank whiskey. Uh, old black fellow. He lived to be 111, Richard something or other. Hey, you know the key to, to long life is just to get stress out of it. And I've said this before about Ray's mom. She lived to be 96, enjoyed her life out in the country, down on the creek, and didn't have too many cares. <coughs> and that's what, you know, now they say, well, you know, a drink, a day, um, uh, seems to be connected to living longer. Now, don't take that as a reason to start drinking if the God if God has told you not to. But uh, all that's doing that drink is lowering your stress. There are other ways of lowering your stress. 
You can do it with soothing music and just, you know, pray. Meditate. Yeah, yeah meditate on the Word of God. But um, it, that's what it's all, it's all connected to. Is, and, and He has told us not to fear. You know, we see this in 2 Timothy. And it's chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A spirit of fear. So, um, Thompson Chain's reference Bible says, section 851, we could learn more. And Jerry Falwell once said, Minister's got a Thompson Chain reference Bible. He's got no excuse whatsoever for not whooping up a sermon in about five minutes. People like to mock Jerry Falwell, but he was a sincere, sincere teacher. Um, Psalm 3, 6, you don't have to turn here. I'm just going to read these. This is an example of how the Thompson Chain Reference Bible works. See, I just, there's a side note on being fearless, fearlessness. And it was tied to verse 7 of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. So it says in Psalm 3 and 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Psalm 27, 3, Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Psalm 91 and 5, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. That's probably the best psalm to meditate on is Psalm 91. Uh, John Hagee was near death. They'd written him off. Hagee, big old boy. He probably 200 pounds overweight. Apparently not in such good health. On death, but not, right on death's door. And he, he started meditating on Psalm 91. Reading it, memorizing it, knowing those verses. And what is held there in that word in Psalm 91. And he got up out of that hospital bed. And he went back to preaching. In spite of everything they expected, God wasn't finished with them. Psalm 118 and 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Proverbs 3, 24, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. Isaiah 12 and 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. We need the Lord, as I said earlier when we prayed every second, the times that we're living in right now are very strange. Things feel strange. It seems like the coming of Christ has to be this close. Some wonderful things we're seeing. We're seeing 
you know, and we just talked to John, Jerry, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing testimony that I keep getting from him. And, uh, yeah, he led somebody to the Lord. I know. I know he did. And, and just the wisdom that he has. I mean, he's got wisdom. And, you know, by his own admission, this is Jerry's son, James's brother. And um, he said, I wasn't following God. I knew about God, wasn't following God. Didn't want to. Didn't feel like I necessarily needed to. And I think there was some component of, well, I'm not cleaned up enough yet. Well, guess what he did? He did that cleaning up. He put aside the alcohol and, and the other things, and he, he's, I think he said 86 days yesterday. And does that not bless you? I see. And he's praying for you. Yeah. Well, he's, he's proud of you because of the changes that you have made. And it's evident. It's evident. Um, so people are coming to the cross. Sometimes people that you didn't think ever would. But God knows those who are His, the Bible says. I was an atheist most of my life. I blasphemed God in the worst way. I hate to, that's even in my memory. <clears throat> But when the devil reminds me of my blaspheming my Lord in my years that I lived in the past, I just now I just say, you know what? You're right. I said those things. I acted out in these ways. And isn't God amazing? Isn't the grace of God incredible that He just forget that? He knew that I belonged to Him while I was running my full mouth. Arguing against Christianity, I did. Usually with a few beers in my belly. That's how I operated. But God knows those who are His. We need wisdom right now. We can't get the truth from the news people. We don't know what's going on. Honestly, unless they've got a picture of the uh, of of um, the earthquake damage or tidal wave, I ain't buying it. They lie and turn right around and lie some more. You can't get the truth out of anything. Our our infrastructure of government has come completely apart. And yeah, you've got government alphabet agencies ignoring the Supreme Court and doing what they want to do anyway with regard to uh, gun control or gun laws. They say, yeah, the Supreme Court said this, but we're just going to go ahead and arrest you anyway. That's how they're operating. Where will it end? They have put men in women's sports. Men who call themselves women and oh, they're transgender, and they're going to beat you at, at swimming. And um, and I'm glad to see that that uh, young lady Riley Gaines is really on a tear. And uh, I think one's come to the front now, going to join her, uh, Brittany Hamilton, the uh, surfer. Surfer. Yeah, she's missing an arm because of a shark attack when she mm-hmm. was 13. But she still surfs and competes against women. 
And she's saying, this is wrong for these males to come in here and say that they're women and surf against us. The momentum needs to continue to build because Satan is quite shrewd and he is quite a deceiver. They are teaching this garbage to our kindergarten children in public schools. Oh, well, Johnny, you might actually be little Jenny, turns out. You're, you're, you're really a little girl. I saw you pick up that doll. You need to watch it. These children's minds are so fragile and they're so impressionable at these ages. And it, it's just hard to believe that enough isn't being said about it. A male who said he was a female joined the M mixed martial arts MMA fighting against women. He broke a young lady's skull. Shortly after getting into the ring with her, he cracked her skull. Like right in there. You know what? She wasn't told that this is a dude. These men are not even emasculated. They've decided, well, we don't really need to do that. That so-called Leah Thomas, that swimmer, yeah. not emasculated, undressing in the locker room with the other girls right in front of them. This is satanic. We have begun to speak out about it on our podcast a lot. And we use humor. And, yeah, we bash them. Good. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> you know, God didn't make people that way. No, that's that's why you know it's insane. Big time, yeah. Well, yeah, and it, to even have science say that that it's a possibility. I mean, <laughs> well, they're rewriting science. They they they've been rewriting history for decades. Now yeah. they're rewriting the science books. Yeah. You know, and then some some deceived person will come on social media and say, "What well, has been scientifically proven that a man can get pregnant." They say that. They literally say it. And have administrations. They're saying, well, what they really mean is this is a female body, but the female identifies as a man. And they're saying, okay, this is a man, and, and this man can get pregnant. No. No, that's a woman. Exactly. You know, and well, it's confusing because they say, they say uh, uh, a, a gender male. And I'm trying to figure that Does that mean he's a male? Does that mean he's a woman? You know, it's confusing to me. Oh, I know. It is confusing, yes, sir. Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you who else is really hitting them hard is Megyn Kelly. She's yeah. been on Fox News, and I think they had tight reins on her on Fox News and told her what to do and what not to do, and she's cut loose, and she's got a bigger audience than she ever had on Fox. Same thing with Tucker Carlson. Tucker's got a channel on on Twitter, and he is raking in three times the viewers he was getting on Fox. Now, the satanic cabal is not happy about this. They're trying to silence anyone with a difference of opinion. But um, I don't think they're going to get away with it. Not forever. I think it's a tipping point for us already. I, and I'll tell you where it, went, where it kind of went over. It was the Bud Light thing. Yeah. And they take this so-called little transgender... And, and it's a dude, obviously, and they celebrate this guy, and they put a picture of him with makeup and a and, 
and his hair in a beehive on a Bud Light can. And Bud Light is now a laughing stock. And what was once the best selling beer in America is now gone for gone, the most yeah. part. Nobody wants it. You know, no one wants it. Because to drink that in public would be the same thing as to go around with one of those gay flags in public. Yeah. Now, the, the camel got its nose under the tent with the LGB, lesbian, gay, bisexual movement. Did they deserve equal rights? If they're human, they deserve rights. If you're human, there are human rights. But they wanted to be married, you know, and they're not going to be married in the eyes of God, but if you're married in the eyes of the state, then you can get on benefit policies for work and you can file taxes as married. And that's what they wanted. And I don't think they were that militant about that. But what happened is other people started hitching their carts to that train. And it went, it, it's funny asking, they, they talk about all these different genders, that there's more than just two. We ask them what the B in LGBT stands for. It stands for bi. It means, bi means two. Well, they don't like to answer that question. Um, for men who are certainly demon hacked to want to dress up like women and not just like a woman might normally dress. They want to dress up like some kind freak. of sideshow, some kind of a carnival freak and go into elementary schools and read to the children in the libraries. That's just a way of getting at those kids. It's a way of getting those kids to start accepting this very aberrant, very mentally ill lifestyle that these guys are doing. They're yeah, trying to normalize try, it. Trying to do it like Disney did with the characters, you know, and, and children are attracted to that because it's, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. And, and so they use that to attract them. Well, they made a gay Buzz Lightyear, Disney did. The movie failed. Yeah. Why impress the sexuality of a cartoon character onto the children that want to watch a movie? They're slipping it in. They are. A little here, a little there. But I think they probably felt kind of like they got their heads handed to them with, the, with Anheuser-Busch uh, boycott. not doing so well. That's good. They don't deserve to do well. Target. Target's failing. They're losing so much money. They had a commercial the other day on Channel 7 about the LBG, whatever. Yeah. And I said, what is this all about? And all of a sudden it was off, you know. Yeah. And yeah. they wanted people to support them. More yeah, they, they, they do. That's what they want. Yeah. And there are pedophiles that are wanting to join. Mm -hmm. they're, they want to be an M, the letter M for minor attracted. Have you heard this yet? No. Yeah, they're wanting to, to normalize be, that. Used to be Mambla. Nambla, North American Man Boy Love, Love Association. Association. You know, um, now these people, honestly, they need to be incarcerated or maybe turned over to medical science for experiments. Yeah. Yeah. You told me to go about rewriting like, history or yeah. whatever. Right now, Nolan Harari and Charles Slaughter have the want to rewrite the Bible. Yeah, yeah, you sent me that. I saw that. They want artificial intelligence to create, yeah, rewrite the Bible. Now, what people don't realize is there is no such thing as artificial intelligence. That is an intelligence. It's an evil intelligence. Mm -hmm. They're demons. Demons inhabited animals. We know that. Yeah. They're, they're, well, the demons are the souls 
of the Nephilim, the half-angel, half-human being from Genesis 6. The Genesis 6 tells us that... Um, hey, babe? Yes? Can I get soda water? Yes. You know, something that occurred to me the other day that I hadn't really thought about, you know how uh, angels, fallen angels, uh, and angels, can they have a body, can they... The fallen angels and fa- angels, uh, yes. The, the ones that the Nephilim don't. They're just wandering spirits. Yeah, they're the souls. That, that, that is actually according to the book of Enoch, which isn't in the Bible, but it was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. The demons that inhabit the earth are the souls of the hybrids mentioned in Genesis 6. The Hebrew was Nephilim, half human, half fallen angel. But the thing that occurred to me was, Satan, when he... Came he didn't have a body. He had to go into the, 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 the best looking beast of the field. Satan? Satan. He didn't have he, a body. I think he can manifest he, as a yeah, fallen angel. He lost his body somehow. He has a spirit, but not a body. Well, let's uh, consider what artificial intelligence really is. They have created machines that these demons can manipulate. It is something that they can get in there and say things because a lot of the stuff that's being said is incredible that you just don't think a machine would do it. Even the programmers of these things are saying, yeah, yeah, it's something, you know, never saw that coming. Yeah, it's like Howell. Yeah. Yeah, HAL and uh, Space Odyssey. Uh, HAL 9000 computer. HAL comes from IBM. HAL is H is one letter away from I. A is before B and L before M. But, but wasn't that pretty prophetic, though? Yes. And then there's you know, a you lot think of, of it as science fiction, but it's not anymore. Yeah, science fiction becomes science fact day after day. So. We have to understand the enemy and what they can do. We can pray, and we always should. Satan hates prayer. Chuck Missler called our prayers. He said that is prayer is the artillery of the Christian. You are literally sending artillery against the enemy simply by bowing your head before the Lord God of all creation and asking Him, and we should pray for mostly for our brothers and sisters. Paul asked for prayer a lot. And uh, that was important to him. And it should be important to all of us. Keep your eyes open. Ask for wisdom every day. Um, and just know that the coming of the Lord has got to be close. It's got to be close. Would anybody like to add to tonight's discussion? Or any questions about anything? Uh, I think what you brought up there in, uh, back in uh, where were we? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Uh, it's, it's a lot like, you know, uh, it reminds me of Hosea. Hosea. Yeah. Uh, because he was asked to marry Gomer Harlot. Yeah. To illustrate. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a very similar thing. 
Yeah, that's true. And this is how God does. So, you know, it was not a sin for Hosea to marry a harlot. God wouldn't have asked him to do it if it had been, you know. And ultimately, he redeems his harlot wife, Gomer. And, um, and just like Israel, she exactly. bailed out a few times. That's it. That's right. The, the example is there. And the Word of God is incredible. I think we'll study the Bible throughout eternity. I think it's that rich. And, you know, there are books that haven't been opened yet and shown yet. And we'll see those too, I think. So, um... Sealed. Yeah. James Burnham McGee said he wanted to teach the Bible all the way through eternity. Well, he would be a good one to teach it. J. Vernon McGee. Well, let's uh, join our hands. Jerry, uh, close us tonight, if you would. Lord God, we pause to thank you for giving us your word. We thank you that uh, it fits every situation we have, that we just avail ourselves and uh, come to the knowledge of God and then act on the knowledge that you give us. Lord, help us to do that. I pray, God, that uh, you would open our eyes and our hearts to see your word more plainly. Give us a desire to do that. Lord, we thank you that uh, we have the promise that you're coming pretty soon. We don't know when, but we want to be ready. We want to look for you. And God, we just, those that uh, Read my friend Bob. I pray God that you come to his heart. And each one here that you give us a peace of God that passes all understanding. Yes. As we look in your word and we use our artillery, pray in the spirit. Find out what you want for us. Thank you for this home and for Daniel and the Christian and all the work they do to uh, this happened for so many years. Give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.